Hey, football fans, this is Diana Rossini from The Athletic. Get the top stories in pro football snapped directly to your inbox with our latest NFL newsletter, Scoop City. Jacob Robinson and I will bring you the daily scoop of top NFL articles, posts, and podcasts every Monday to Friday. Sign up for free now at theathletic.com backslash scoop. This is the Civilized Barking Podcast with Zach Jackson. Good morning, everybody. Civilized Barking Podcast. Zach Jackson here. Uh, Thanks for tuning in. We are counting down to Saturday afternoon, the first of what the NFL is calling a super wild card weekend, Browns at Texans. So you knew that. Um, Thanks for tuning in. Um, It's a rematch, but only sort of. Look, the Browns needed to win that game on December 24th, and this defense wasn't going to lose to Case Keenum. So... Um, it ended up being a complete beating. The Browns poured it on. Amari Cooper set the franchise record with 265 yards, and Flacco bombed all over them. Um, it was a really bad day for the Texans. The fourth quarter got wild. It was a bad day for the Browns because they lost kicker Dustin Hopkins in that game uh, on the Texans' first touchdown, but they were completely better. This will be completely different. So um, I do think the Browns will win. I think the Browns are supremely confident, but not overconfident. I think the confidence comes from the belief um, that they have in their coaching staff, the belief they have in their quarterback. Um, I think that this is a tight-knit unit. I think a lot of the questions I had about the Browns and their ability to uh, maximize their potential this year and get to the playoffs and do things came down to things like chemistry and maturity and togetherness in overcoming the adversity. And there's been a ton with the quarterback changes and losing the offensive tackles. And, um, you know, it's been a wild ride. If you're listening, you know that, (laughs) right? And I hope you've been reading and listening uh, all along as we've done this. But they developed a kind of, um, of togetherness. They kept a kind of focus. And then to bring in Joe Flacco, who will be playing his 16th playoff game, um, in his 16th season, uh, I think was kind of the missing piece for both for energizing and opening up the offense and for, um, you know, making sure guys were locked in and, and coming to the realization like that this could happen and they can make a run. So we'll see. So, um, you know, usually when I've been to, to Houston for games, they, there hasn't been much at stake. There hasn't been much atmosphere there, of course, was the Watson debut last year that was super weird. But even that wasn't a total sellout. So I'm expecting Browns fans to roll pretty deep. Um, I know the flights were an adventure and a disaster because of the Houston Marathon. But um, the Texans are excited. They should be excited about C.J. Stroud. And C.J. Stroud will challenge the Browns. Um, You know, the defense has not been the same on the road. Quarterbacks who can move a little bit and improvise. And, of course, the Texans just saw this Browns defense a couple of weeks ago. So they have their first game plan. Um, you know, which obviously had Case Keenum in it, but they could take and look and see what they thought would work, what did. A few things did. Um, a lot of things didn't. They should be healthier on defense, although we're waiting on their pass rush. They were a good pass rush team through the year, and they were a good run defense team, which allows your pass rush to, success, to excel in most spots, right? So uh, anyway, just going to run through this. Um, I have a special guest. His, he's Andrew Siciliano from the NFL Network. He has filled in three times this year. Um, and calling Browns games on radio. Great news, Jim Donovan um, will be on the radio call. He is healthy enough to make the trip. He hadn't been traveling, which is why Andrew was one of the people called upon 
to do some of the games. But uh, Andrew grew up a Browns fan. Um, he's been a very visible, uh, entertaining, talented figure at NFL Network. And uh, I just wanted to have him on to get his perspective because most of all, he's a Browns fan like you. But uh, obviously being in the broadcast booth and around the team gives you an inside, different perspective. Um, so I, I, it's going to be a great chat uh, with him here on Civilized Barking. My dog actually even got into the barking. So uh, Andrews was recorded yesterday. Because um, I expect the Browns to – they're not going to have Hopkins, and they knew that, right? Um, I expect everyone else to play with two question marks, Juan Thornhill and Grant Delpit. And we're going to find out over the next three to 24 hours on those guys. Um, just not going to spend too much time on it because um, I don't know. We had to record this time so so you can listen to this podcast and so it could get out, right? So, um the Browns felt good about Delpit's progress and the work he had done to get back to practice this week. I don't know what the verdict will be. And that thing has lingered all year with Thornhill, and we don't know what the verdict will be. And obviously, if he's not 100%, then they have to go with the other guys because the Texans are going to try to throw deep on him. And, and the other guys have done well. Ronnie Hickman, Deron Harmon, DeAnthony Bell, they've all made plays. Um, and that's, that's kind of the story of this team, the next guy being ready. So I want you to click over to the app to Twitter, to Facebook, wherever, and read my story on Jim Schwartz. Um, and just, you know, kind of the simple asks that he made of this defense, um, the fun that they've had as part of his demands, and really, you know, the togetherness that I talked about, um, he, he said it. You know, he won a Super Bowl as a defensive coordinator in Philly, and he said that this team reminds him of that from a togetherness and working your butt off and work comes first standpoint. So we'll see. We'll see. I think there's a chance that this January is a ride, and it's fun. Um, the Browns have to go win the game. You know, they have to get variety on offense. It's the tech, they're going to get different looks defensively and offensively from the Texans based on what happens. Um, the backup kicker's got to make his kicks, right? He did make a playoff game winner last year. They don't have to win the turnover battle, but they can't lose it drastically, and the Texans have been really good at that. And the Texans are going to try to put heat on Flacco. They, they let him sit back there last time, and he bombed all over him. So, again, that goes to tactically, and we'll see how that plays. But um, Cooper, Njoku, Flacco, Jerome Ford, and then turn it over to Miles Garrett and the guys. I think the Browns win. I think we go to Baltimore next weekend. We'll see how that goes. But right now, we're going to go out to the West Coast, um, talk Browns and ball and nostalgia and uh, tactics and a lot of things with Andrew Siciliano. Thanks for listening, guys. Do you like Formula One, but struggle to keep up with everything that's going on? Then we have the podcast for you. Introducing the Race F1 Briefing, the podcast that brings you the latest F1 headlines in 15 minutes or less. With new episodes dropping on all four days of every race event, you'll never miss out on hearing what went down in practice, qualifying, or the Grand Prix itself. And we'll also bring you all the behind-the-scenes news and gossip from the F1 paddock as well. If that sounds like the F1 podcast for you, search The Race F1 Briefing in your podcast app of choice. We'd love to have you join us. All right, so as promised, uh, we go to sunny LA, where part of this wild Browns journey actually took place. Uh, he is Andrew Siciliano from the NFL Network. Three times this year, you heard him on the Cleveland Browns radio network. Um, 
let's start there. You know, Jimmy's back. He's feeling better. That's awesome. Which so, is great. So yeah, cool. it, it is great. Um, you know, we have just been so blessed here, Andrew, with, with announcers through the years. Jimmy is a friend of mine. He's been awesome. And like, I think if you didn't get emotional listening to him call the playoff clinch, right? Are you even alive? No, Zach. Um, thanks for having me on, by the way. Um, a daily reader, no joke, um, of you and the athletic and, and all the other great writers in the athletic. Obviously, I live here in LA. I read Jordan and Daniel Popper every day as well. So big fan of your work. I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled to be on and to answer your question. Uh, yeah, it was awesome. So much so. I was actually in the stands that day. So um, I came into the TNF game, have family there, and uh, my brother's a season ticket holder. So we, we were sitting in those seats. And I made a point of bringing a little digital radio to, to have nice. in my coat in my coat pocket, um, you know, layers that day. It was cold, obviously. And uh, I had um, one ear with the headset in um, and the other ear uh, open to where my cousin was standing next to me. So I was kind of half listening to him throughout the game with a beer in my hand. And I wanted to be <laughs> sure to, to listen to Jim and Nathan and, and hear that call because – uh, it was awesome. It was such a great moment. Obviously, you were there, and like I, I, I still have like Run William Run in my head from years ago as well, and all those other great calls. And it was it was so cool. Uh, that was twenty one years ago, so I guess we're getting yeah. old. Um, but you know, like people have waited so long, right? And <laughs> Jim being one of them. Um, you have a really cool story. You didn't grow up in Cleveland, but you you yeah. had Browns ties. So to tell everybody exactly your connection and why, other than just you know getting a change up and getting to call an NFL game, was so cool for you when you were able to sub for Jim this year. Yeah. So I mean, the shortest version of the story is I grew up outside of DC, the DC suburbs, and in, in Reston, Virginia. But my dad is from Cleveland. I grew up little literally. Went to the old Cathedral Latin. Uh, went to John Carroll. Um, and all his side of the family is there. My brother and I were, were born and raised in Northern Virginia, but my dad made us, um, you can call it child abuse, joke all you want, made us diehard Browns fans <laughs> and prod fans. And, uh, you know, long before Sunday ticket and, and, and long before the ability to watch those games on TV every week, um, we, we would do anything to find the Browns game on TV. Um, I would have my aunt send me the plane dealer clippings on Monday. They normally would arrive by Friday, four days, five days after the game. I, you know, subscribed to the old Browns News Illustrated back yeah. in the day. And, <laughs> and I mean, that was my that was my lifeline. So, you know, my summers are often spent in Cleveland. All major holidays are spent in Cleveland. My parents would drop me off in Lakeland for training camp or later for Berea. And that was kind of my babysitter during the day. Um, I was actually talking to Bernie on Sunday. Um, which in and of itself, as a man in his 40s, to say, I was talking to Bernie the other day. His posters used to be on my wall. Um, uh, you know, I have his autographs and Ozzy's and, and Reggie Langhorn and, and everybody from back in the day on like old ShopRite programs from Lakeland for training camp. I mean, I I, um, I bleed it. Um, I scream and yell and I have scars from punching my front door in Los Angeles when uh, Foch Fazio and Bush Davis called off the dogs and they lost to Tommy Maddox. So. Um, I'm that guy. So, so I hate the circumstances and, and I, I've told this to Jim and anyone who will listen, like the, the idea that this is how and why I got called to, to fill in. Um, I hate, but it's so good that he is doing well and doing, uh, and doing better and well on the path to recovery. And, uh, those three games were, were awesome for the little, uh, 12 year old kid in me. That's still there. Was there like, uh, an extra rush 
knowing that everyone was listening to you any differently than maybe you're watching in your living room or in the studio on Sunday, like you normally are? Oh man, I was nervous. Like, honestly, like, it's like you, like, you know, everybody, like you, you do your charts and you do your boards and it's like, I don't need to like, like memorize any numbers for this team. Right. Um, you know, you want all the little details. You want to make sure you get all, you know, everything right. But I, but I'll be honest with you. I was, I was a little nervous. Um, especially that first game, the Niners game since then, not necessarily, but that, that first game, it's like, Hey, you only get a shot, one shot at doing this. Don't, don't screw it up here. So it was fun. I mean, look, I'll, I'll always have those memories, but you know, hope to make some more collectively as a fan here the next month. Yeah. So, uh, as loyal listeners to this program know, you know, I could get on a thought and turn it into 20 and go for 20 minutes <laughs> without coming up for air. Right. Sure. And so when I, I try to stop myself and especially when I write after games, I try to say, okay, let's, let's get this one thought and get it out there and see where it goes. Right. And I'm glad you brought up the Niners game because I still remember sitting there and I said, here's what I'm going to write. And here's what I'm going to stick to. I don't know where this is going. And obviously looking back now, the, t- the season has only taken two of like a hundred turns. Right. But I said, I am not going to doubt this defense because I know the yeah. Niners had guys hurt today. I know it wasn't the ideal situation. But what we saw that day told me that this defense could be really real. And now, you know, many months later, as as the second season begins, I haven't backed down from that. And I think there's a real chance that this this thing could go for a couple more weeks or more. Yeah, and, and- I'm with you on two points from that game. One, the defense, certainly. And that was the day where you truly stepped back and went, okay, this is real. But but also just like look at the missed field goal. Look at the fact that P.J. Walker tried to throw a pick um, when they got down to the red zone after that nice Jerome Ford run in the fourth quarter. Yes. The, the things that in years past have not gone their way, the bad luck that inevitably happened, for the most part, has gone the other way this year. Jake Moody missed the kick, right? Mm-hmm. Um, go to Indy. Yeah, they got a couple of flags in years past. How many times have we been complaining that they were on the short end of all the bad calls? And by the way, I'm not convinced that both of the calls were bad in Indy. One of them was suspect. The other one, I think, was the right call. I mean, who, what's uncatchable? It doesn't change the act of the defensive back, right? Like, if I commit a crime, oh, then I find out later, it didn't really matter that I did it, but I still did it, right? In the moment, I committed the crime. Anyway, I digress. Um, those Those little things... I've gone their way this year. Look at all these injuries for Pete's sake. They should not be here. But not only are not only are they here, they are excelling in these moments. Like you're watching Hard Knocks last night, and, and you see every single one of these injuries. And people say, "Well, the Dolphins can't do it." I say, "Well, you know, there's another team, two thousand miles to the north, that is doing it with all these injuries." So yes, it is bad, but it's not impossible, and that's why I believe in this team. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up the Indy because I've felt like this the whole way. I mean, they've definitely been times they've been a little luck. Indy won. Um, Zadarius Smith not getting called for roughing the passer at the end of the first half against Chicago, right? And then sure. some other things yeah, happened there. But, you know, fortunate, yes, and, and that's football, especially in the NFL. I think it mostly evens out, but not fluky. And, and not fluky because the defense has really been that good. Would you agree with that? Yeah, the defense hasn't been that good. Now, it's a different defense on the road, which kind of scares me this yeah. week. But if you go back to the Houston game, you know, that game was 36 to 7, and that game was over. And it, it should not have, you know, Joe Flacco should not have been back on the field. Z should not have been back on the field on that final drive to get dinged at one point um, and take a knee there at the end. Uh, it, it, the defense is real. Um, and this defense can win at games and has to win at games. 
in the postseason because I don't think they're going to run this week. I, I mean, what, whatever Shane Sykin, who's as good of an offensive play caller when it comes to the run game, I think as there is in only a year here as a head coach, uh, they were able to gash the Texans last week. Uh, the Browns could not gash them. The Browns couldn't get anything positive going on the ground against the Texans on mm. Christmas Eve. Um, and if you look statistically at the Texans' defense, they may not this week either. So that, to me, is a concern. So the defense is going to have to make some plays. Um, and they're going to have to have a pick six here or there or strip sack. Like, I want to see that mild strip sack game that we saw the first two months of the season. Statistically, there's a great note, the NFL Network research packet this week about Tunsil against uh, Miles. And that goes back, obviously, to their college days. They know each other. But statistically, I think uh, Tunsil's allowed only like one pressure in 40 snaps against Miles, which is as good as any one of the NFL so uh, that's a battle. This this thing is not easy this week at all. No, I agree. And, you know, I feel a sense of confidence from the Browns, and, and I get it. Uh, I don't feel overconfidence. Um, but, you know, I, I would caution the fan base against overconfidence. I mean, we just – the Browns weren't going to lose to Case Keenum that day, right? No. And, and they shouldn't lose to C.J. Stroud, the rookie coach, and the Texans who are probably way more in the happy-to-be-here category than the Browns are. But – you know, the Browns are going to need to play a good game. And I agree. Like, I envision a close competitive game, and I envision one play by the defense kind of being the thing that, that puts it in the direction of the Browns winning on Saturday. Yeah, uh, they they need that. And um, look, the crowd, that, that, that crowd left, what, five minutes into the third quarter on Christmas Eve? They had a they had their yeah. Christmas Eve plans to get to. That building was empty in the second half. It's going to be exactly the opposite. The Texans, you know, I don't get it necessarily, but the Texans have this weird everyone doubted CJ thing going this week when it comes to their Twitter and their social media accounts. Did you notice this? Like, you know, all these these cut-ups of Colin Cowherd and all these people before the draft doubting CJ. Um I get it, whatever motivates you, but no one doubts C.J. Stroud now. Like, from the second he stepped on a field in the preseason in August, everybody collectively, including those who might have doubted him leading up to the draft, have gone, holy leap, right. this guy is real. So, and we saw it Saturday night as well, like, holy whatever, this guy's the truth. Um, he, he is going to hit some, he's going to have some big pass plays in this game. I, I think Browns fans have to realize you know, this is not going to be like a 12 for 35 with two pick kind of day. If it is, I mean, that's great, but I don't see that coming. He's going to make plays. No, I agree. Um, I, I do. I, 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 you know, mobile quarterbacks and CJ can move a little bit. He's not yeah. going to, tur they've given the Browns problems. The defense has not been the same on the road. Um, that's documented, but you know, in this environment, I, I just have all the respect in the world for Schwartz and totally. You know, I think it, I look at it like this, Andrew, you know, continue it's, it was black Monday the other day, obviously just an hour ago or so Pete Carroll's out. We're all surprised by that. You know, some teams need change. Some teams need stability. The Browns stability is a huge reason they're here, but they needed the change. And Schwartz is his ability to simplify things, to maximize the talent and say, here we come. I mean, that's what makes him great. Right. So um, what the Texans have seen on film, I think they'll hit a couple plays on the Browns. Uh, but I think over the course of four quarters, Browns have brute strength, for lack of a better term. This should be able to get get them there and, and help them win this I, game. 
Yeah, I agree. I think it would help immensely if you don't have one of those first quarter meltdowns, not meltdowns, but you know, th- this team, this defense, as you've seen, has a propensity to, to give up a big drive before kind of figuring stuff out in the first quarter. Um, I, I hope we do not see that Saturday. I thought something short said today, um, granted, I'm just watching here in my living room, you're, you're actually in the room, something about how um, how much this team genuinely likes each other. Um, I think really stands out in my brief time being there those three weeks or um, to me, that speaks volumes for this team's success and hopefully success in January as well. Um, I just know me watching on Friday open locker room when I've gotten the chance to on, on online, there is so much noise in the background on Fridays that sometimes you can't hear Miles Garrett, right? (laughs) You, you can't hear everyone else. And that isn't like that in every NFL locker room at all. And the the togetherness on this team, which I had heard, obviously, from plenty of people, and you see it day to day, the last couple of years maybe wasn't there, is there, which which is huge. I, I 100% agree, and I would put that at the top of any list of why are these Browns different? You know, why was that October 15th against the Niners? Why did my belief go way up there and mm-hmm. then? Obviously, starts to go way up once Flacco got in. It, it's it's the quarterback, uh, it's the defensive coordinator, but it really is that. I mean, this defensive line group, they'll sit for an hour after the game, win or lose, right? Guys, guys want to go. Guys need to go. <laughs> they sit and talk. Um, they're available. They're picking each other up. I, I think Flacco's kind of been the missing piece um, to to that in in a big part of that. It, I go back to the first Houston game, Andrew. Um, we sit on level eight there, the very top of the dome. These are not just good throws. These are unreal throws. Um, yeah. <laughs> and I assume you saw the same from your seat there in the Jets game, too. We were pretty high up there in Houston. Good Lord. Yeah. I mean, although those were, did, did you get one of the bacon donuts? Did you see that donut display they had there? Uh, I passed this year, but yes, I've had a bacon donut in the past in Houston. Well, I, yes, I, I didn't have one, but I, I'll, I give compliments to the staff in Houston for the press box food. I'm not Ross Tucker. I don't rate it, but I mean, that, that was, that was a good setup. And yes, those are great throws from, from the first throw of the game, right? You get quarters mm-hmm. coverage. You're like, yeah, he's beat the safety. Justin Reed's not getting in the middle of the field, yeah. 50 yards downfield. It was just a great throw. And, but he also, and we did something on Total Access last night, like the throw to Njoku for that touchdown, too, in that game. Like David Carr pointed out, he's like, I'm not saying Joe Flacco's Tom Brady, but look where he throws the ball. Look how quickly he decides to hit Njoku up the seam here for the touchdown. It's like, that's not like, I mean, it, it's it's the stones to see it and throw it immediately there's no double clutching for something to come open it's like this ball's getting out and and Najoku's averaging 10 catches a game the last month I mean that's absurd it is um you know and kudos to him for his own personal maturity and sticking with it and the Browns like yeah I I'll be honest I think some of the reinvestments they've made in him they just thought we're already pot committed you know the ultimate poker analogy let's do it but they, they did stick with it. And I, I think there's a combination of coaching, of, of personal growth, now of the quarterback, where he is just, it's all kind of clicked at once. And you know, you see guys come in this league and, and they do, there will be late bloomers, right? There will be guys who have up and down careers. I, I, there's not many that it's taken till year six or seven for it to really click. But but whatever he and Stefanski and AVP and TC, the whole crew, whatever they've done, uh, it certainly has clicked because he is playing not, Again, just like the throws, 
He's not playing well. He is playing out of this world. Like this is top, top level tight end stuff. Is it cool too? Because again, you're there. I'm not. How like Najoku told the story on Inside the NFL a couple of weeks ago. Like, yeah, we didn't like each other at all. And then you guys asked the fancy about it. He kind of was like, eh, like almost uncomfortable. Like, yeah, I, I saw that. I, like, I'm not thrilled he said it, but like, okay, this is endearing. And then Najoku last week. So like, wait a minute, Kevin told you that I, I FaceTimed him from the jugs machine after that game, <laughs> right? So it's kind of like yeah. the push and pull. I love it. Well, everybody knew that Stefan- the tight end was Stefanski's favorite position, right? And right. I remember he comes in, he gets hired. We have the combine right before the world shuts down. And he Stefanski goes through this whole thing of explaining football for dummies, the dummies being the beat, right? Like, <laughs> this is this tight end, this is this tight end, and sometimes you have a third tight end, and here's what we ask them to do. And everybody, well, maybe it works for Najoku. Well, two weeks later, they sign Austin Hooper, of all people. Guess what, guys? That means they didn't have much faith in David Najoku. Right. And they were right at the time. Now, four years later, he's rewarded. Um, it's, it's worked out. And look how it's worked out, too, with, with you know, Stavansky developing as a play caller, too, oh. where you, you could see Flacco's respect for him. You know, he's deflecting praise. Obviously, he's the veteran. He's good at deflecting praise. But I, I think when he's he's giving Stefanski credit for his play calling and you see you hear from other people around the league as well, they have clicked so well here. And this is a huge part of it. Yeah, I think they're an easy and, and fairly accurate way to say it is the whole playbook is open. But I think it goes a little deeper than that. I think they fit stylistically. I think parts of the playbook are really good fits. And they've gone there. And, you know, if teams take it away, as things evolve, his arm can just open things back up. And, like, they're, you know, nobody wants to see a three-interception game in the playoffs. That would probably sink them. But, like, they've lived with the turnovers because he's getting that ball to places that it just hasn't gone. And the defense isn't ready for it because they have 17 games of film or 14 games of film, right? My dog's all fired up about Joe Flacco. And (laughs) the ball's never gone there before until four four weeks ago. Yeah. And and in the other corner this week, by the way, you have a guy calling plays for the first time. Well, rather for his first season. Yeah. In Bobby Slow. No doubt. Um, You brought up Bernie at the beginning, and and I wanted to say this, given our roots and and all of that. Um, God bless Bernie. And I could tell stories about him for hours, both from the perspective you mentioned of a kid who watched and then later getting older and I, and guys, I promise if, if the Browns win the Super Bowl, I'll, I'll tell all the Bernie stories I got, <laughs> but like he is a name that has always stuck with me and this is no fault on him. This is no knock on him, but you know, he is the quarterback that so many Browns fans, not just of our age, but obviously of our age and older remember, and he was cut 30 years ago. So that's on the organization. Right. And like, mm-hmm. I feel like in Joe Flacco for the first time in 30 years, I was in eighth grade when Bernie Kosar was cut, that people have flocked to this guy. And like, I think that's the most apt comparison. Yeah, I, I agree. And it's only been six weeks, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Which is, which is just absurd. Um, like I, I re- I was at the, the the game here in LA, which was Flacco's first game. I remember talking to a Rams official before the game, and this wasn't like you know arrogant or, or slamming Joe. Like, how do you guys feel today? And they said, "Well, like, listen, if if we can't win this game, then you know that's on us." Basically, like if if Joe Flacco's showing up off the couch and we can't win this game, yeah. like you know that that's on us. Um, and if Flacco, you know, didn't get a little too aggressive there in the fourth quarter, maybe the Browns do win that game Rams won it and the Rams are seven and one down the stretch. 
But since that time, since, since that opening drive where he found a wide open Jerome Ford down the sideline for that touchdown, um, the guy has been been a revelation. I mean, he has been that guy. I mean, I don't. It's it's hard to put him in, in Bernie territory yet because that was that was our childhood. But sure, I mean, wow, it, it's it's been a pretty awesome ride. Yeah. Yeah, I just go back to that LA week and just watching him throw. And obviously, it was like, okay, we know he has an arm; he's still there. But just kind of hearing him talk of the mix of humility, uh, of excitement mm-hmm. for an opportunity he didn't know was coming. Like I thought he was going to play well, and he did that day, and he threw the bad sure. pick and whatever. But uh, nobody saw this coming, and, and it's just to me, it kind of fits the whole theme of the season. I knew the defense would be better. I'd be lying if I told you guys that the de- I thought the defense would be top three in mm-hmm. like 90% of the categories because then you know I would have picked differently, right? But like it's just been a great mix of the right people, the right chemistry, and a lot of guys overachieving or outperforming expectations or just clicking at the right time. And that's why I believe there's a real chance this thing goes a few more weeks. I'm rambling here, but you know what it is to me? It's mutual gratitude. Like you saw... You saw when he first got the game ball, was it the Jacksonville game, right? After the David, the David yeah. Bell play and all that, where, where Stefanski gives him the game ball and he he says to the room, Flacco does, thank you for having me. And yeah. it wasn't like this really like corny humbleness. Like you could tell in his face and his body language, like, like, wow, like, thank you so much for welcoming, welcoming me here and like, me to do this for you like i'm humbled to be here kind of attitude and it goes both ways and now i am getting corny about a new year new promises and turning the page in 2024 but there was something really heartening about that moment yeah there will be conversations there always are um but as i've said to people you know almost every major nfl decision comes with consequences and ties to who you didn't take which who you did pass on whatever Um, when you get in the playoffs, it's just about, you know, getting to the next drive and getting to the next week, however. So there will be time for those conversations. We'll have them here. Last thing, Andrew, before I get you out of here, um, somebody that's not Joe Flacco, somebody or something that's not Jim Schwartz slash Miles Garrett. You know, what is a player or a moment you point to when you look at this team um, and like, hey, th- this was big or this is why this season has been different and might still end up being really different? A particular moment, or particular, I, I mean, I'll say Dustin Hopkins, and I hope yeah. he comes back. Yeah. Um, I I am amazingly anxious about Riley Patterson, but uh, I feel a little bit more comfortable that this game is indoors this week. Um, it, you know, Dustin Hopkins, it, it, it hurts that, you know, he's back in his native Houston. I, I, I was, you know, on the bus riding over to that game in Houston. And, uh, you know, how excited Dustin Hopkins was to be kicking in front of his whole family there. And then he kicks two extra points and pulls his hammy um, on on the return. The uh, Dustin Hopkins, they would not be here right now without Dustin Hopkins. And I hope he gets back soon. And uh, I hope his absence isn't felt. How about that? (laughs) Yeah. You know, I I got to talk to Riley Patterson real quick. Um, Super nice kid. And he does have experience. I mean, he kicked a playoff game winner last year. Sure. Now, he got cut for missing extra points in Detroit, and he missed one here. Um, look, come Saturday afternoon, Browns fans are going to be nervous about everything, so I don't think it's any extra. But Correct. Yeah. We'll, we'll see how that goes. Remember, and, it wouldn't have gone to triple overtime against the Jets in 86 if not for Mark Mosley missing kicks. 
you're over it by now, right? Uh, <laughs> sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, listen, man, this has been awesome. I appreciate you taking the time. So uh, to you guys out there, thank you for listening and reading. Uh, I've, I've been wanting to get Andrew on since the first game that he called. And uh, I thought this was a good time. So thank you guys for listening to Civilized Barking, subscribing to The Athletic. Andrew, take, thanks for taking a few minutes. And uh, maybe we'll see you along the way here. Zach, I'm glad we did it. Let's do it again soon. All right. Sounds good. Talk to you soon, buddy.